Romans 12 and reading from verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ... We who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him gov- govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you for your word and we thank you that you have called us all to be part of your family. And we pray this morning that as we look into your word, as we search the scriptures that we might see our place in the plans and purposes that you have for us. And that we might come to discover that we were formed to worship you and made to be part of your family. In Jesus' name, we pray together. Amen. Well, we are in this thing called uh, 40 Days of uh, Purpose, just in case you haven't uh, picked up on that. And uh, as you well know by now, there's seven messages to hear. And uh, as I was reminded this morning, this is the third one of, uh, of those messages. Uh, there's six small groups to attend, and it's not too late to, uh, to take part and join a small group if you haven't already done that. And uh, 40 Daily Readings to Read. And uh, just a little thing about the 40 daily readings, because uh, one or two people have come to me and said, you know, Richard, I don't agree with everything that uh, Rick Warren says in the... Uh, and they have a worried look on their, on their face as they're saying this, as if, uh, as if that really matters. And of course, um, it doesn't matter if you don't agree with anything. In fact, um, I wouldn't expect you to agree with everything. So you don't need to worry about that if it is a worry to you, if you don't agree. The idea is that you get hold of the main kind of thing, so like last week we were thinking about worship, and I think most of us will agree, you know, that our purpose in life is, our first purpose and priority is to worship God, and then we've been exploring that, and all the other things that Rick Warren talks about, secondary issues, which of course some of us will agree about, and some of us won't, and it's the same this week, uh, you know, there's a main thrust to the readings, and so uh, engage with the book, and that's why we have the small groups, where you can then, you know, talk about the things that you find uh, helpful, and the things that you don't find helpful. And that's the whole idea of uh, reading this book together. And then, of course, there's uh, six uh, memory verses to learn, um, which uh, we're trying to do. Some of us have got better memories than others, and some of us find that more difficult than others. So then, uh, so far, 
uh, just to remind you that, uh, that 40 days of purpose is for the whole family. Just to say to parents, you know, do um, make sure that your child has got a book because there is a, a book for um, each child and some of them, uh, some people have uh, slipped through the net and not got the book. So if your child hasn't got a book, have a word with myself or the Sunday school afterwards and encourage your child to uh, engage with this. And so this is something that we're doing together as a whole family that everybody can, uh, can take part in. We began by asking that question, what on earth am I here for? That was uh, in week one. And, uh, you know, talking about the fact that God has a purpose for each and every one of us. Uh, that he created us for a purpose. And, uh, and then last week we were thinking about the first purpose, our first priority in life, which was to worship God. And, uh, and we've been looking at that all week. And uh, this week, the adventure of a lifetime continues. And uh, this week, we're going to be introduced to our second purpose, which is that we were formed to be part of God's family. Notice this verse, it says, um, God is the one who made all things, and all things are for his glory. He wanted to have many children share in his glory. God wanted a family. That's why we're here. And the Bible says he planned everything in the entire universe so that we could be part of his family. It says that uh, his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. The entire Bible, um, the whole story of God is that God was building a family. That God chose an individual person, a nation, a people, and he was gathering to himself a family. It's why we have history, because God is building a family for himself. That's not going to be just for here on earth, but it's going to last forever and ever in eternity. Now once you understand and get started on God's first purpose in your life, that we talked about last week, getting to know and to love God, God wants you to begin to focus and to start practicing his second purpose for your life, and that is to love your spiritual family. That's what God wants you to do. That's what God wants you to do. The second purpose in your life is to learn to love the people in your family. To learn to love the people in your family. Why do we need to learn to love the people in our families? Well, there's several reasons. First of all, you know, eventually our physical families uh, are not going to last forever. Some of them sadly fall apart here on earth. Um, But our spiritual family is going to last for eternity. And God wants us to begin to start to love our family here on earth. It makes us more like God, because God is love. Secondly, God wants his children to get along together. If you know anything about children, uh, very often one of the things they don't always do is get along together. And uh, it's true with young children, but it's also true uh, with older children in the family of God. You know, we don't always all get along all the time. And that's what being part of a family is all about. But we learn... To love, to love each other in the family. That's what we, that's what we're doing. That's what we're about. So, 
My second purpose in life is this, it's fellowship. My second purpose in life is fellowship. Now, just like when we were talking about worship last week, fellowship is sometimes a word that is sometimes misunderstood. I mean, if I was to ask people, you know, uh, what do you think by, we mean by the word fellowship? Some of you might say, well, isn't that what we do after the service? You know, when we're having a, a, tup of, a cup of coffee and uh, uh, talking about the football, either delighting in how our football team is doing or, or commiserating with one another about how our football team is. Isn't that fellowship? Well, no, it isn't. <laughs> That's just talking. That's just talking. We're not going to share fellowship together here today on the, on a Sunday morning because there's, there's too many of us. There's too many of us. We can, you know, we can uh, we can worship together and we can praise together, but we're not really going to share real fellowship together here on a Sunday morning. Paul wrote this. He says, um, "Oh, sorry, fellowship is loving God's family. That's what we mean by uh, fellowship. Fellowship is loving God's family." Paul says that the person who loves God must also love other believers. The person who loves God must also love other believers. How do we do that? Well, fortunately, the Bible gives us clear and crystal instructions. Paul wrote this, he says, I'm writing so that you will know how to live in the family of God. The family is the church. The Bible's given us instructions and teaching us how we are to live together. You see, the church is a family, it's not a building, it's not an organisation, it's not a club. Sometimes people talk about, you know, say I'm, I'm going to church. And in a, in a sense we know what they mean, but it's not really correct, because church isn't a place that you go to, church is a family that you belong to, and there's a big difference. There are people that just go to church, uh, and there are other people that belong to a family, and there's a huge difference, and that's what we're going to be thinking about. Because you see... The family of God, the church, it's more than a building, it's more than a service. It's a family that we belong to. And the truth is, in God's family, there are four different levels of fellowship. And we're going to look at them in a little bit of detail today. We're going to look at each one. And uh, we're going to discover the second purpose of our lives together. You were meant to be here on earth, but you weren't meant to be here alone. You weren't meant to struggle on your own. Uh, God wants us to be together in family. And uh, the first level, level one, is membership. Choosing to belong. Making the choice to belong. This is the most basic level. It means that you find a church family and you choose to get connected to it and to be part of it. Paul says in Ephesians 2, uh, 19, he says this, You are members of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every of a Christian. The Christian life is not just about believing. Sometimes uh, we emphasise the believing uh, so much, don't we? And we judge people about what they believe and we say this person's sound or this person's kosher because of what they believe and we put a great importance on what someone believes. And sometimes we forget that it's not just about what we believe, it's about a sense of belonging, it's about choosing to belong to the family of God. Fellowships begins with belonging, with making a choice. We have to choose to belong to the church family. You don't get to choose about your own family. You know, you're born into it. You don't have any choice about it. You're there and you're part of that family. The church family, we choose, each one of you that's here this morning, has chosen to be here. 
You've chosen to come this morning. It was a choice. When you woke up this morning, uh, you made that choice. You thought, well, shall I go to church today? And you chose. And uh, you came along. Because hopefully you feel a sense of belonging. So, some people of course say, you know, well I'm a Christian. And of course we're all filling in the census at the moment. And uh, there's been this campaign, hasn't there, to put no religion. Uh, but lots of people will, will, will put on that census that they're a Christian, uh, but they don't go to church. And of course that is a contradiction in terms. Unless you're, you know, housebound or not well enough to come to go to church and belong to church, it seems to me that you can't be a Christian if you're not connected to the family of God. The two things are not compatible. You can't possibly be uh, a Christian and not connected to God's family. It's a bit like saying, you know, I want to play football, but I'm just going to play on my own in my own backyard. Uh, you can't really play football with just one person. It doesn't work. Uh, you've got nobody. You need to be part of a team to play football properly. Uh, some people do play football in their own backyard, uh, but you're not really playing football unless you, you enter into a team. And it's the same with being a Christian. You need to be part of a family. In Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. This is our memory verse for the week that we want you to uh, go home and memorise and stick on your fridge and, and learn it and put it on your key fob. Don't forget to pick up the tags uh, after the service to, to add to your queuing. And if you've not got a queuing, there's plenty of spare queuing, so uh, don't miss out on that blessing. So... The word membership, you know, it's a funny word, isn't it? Uh, a bit of an old-fashioned word, and, and not a very popular word. You know, all sorts of organisations now are struggling for people to become members. People don't, like, want, don't want to commit themselves to anything these days. Uh, some people are quite happy to go along to something, uh, but they don't really want to make that commitment of being a member, actually identifying uh, with the people in that organisation. And uh, as Paul says, you know, in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. If you want to grow, if you want to see God at work in your life, you've got to join a body. We need to attach ourselves to a group of believers. We say, I want to be part of what's going on here. We say, I want to be a member of the church. Jesus calls the church the body of Christ. And we need to have some respect for it. To recognise what it means. You know, if I said to you, you know, um, I like you, but I don't really like your body. You'd be deeply offended, wouldn't you? You'd be offended. And, uh, and when, we, when, we, when we talk about the church in a, in a negative sense, and some people say that, don't they? They say, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. And that's deeply offensive. Because you're talking about the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. The church is also described as, as the bride of Christ. You know, I could say to some of you guys, you know, I love you, but I can't stand your wife. And, uh, and, and you wouldn't be happy. You might want to take me outside and have a word with me. And, uh, of course, the church is the bride of Christ. And because Jesus loves the church, the group of believers that are together, uh, you and I have to have that same kind of love for the body of believers. And there is a symbol, there is a, there is a picture of what it means to be a, a member of the church. Baptism is the picture that we belong together in the body of Christ. Baptism is the, is the way that we enter into membership of the church. 
This is what Paul says, this is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptised, each of us now as part of his resurrection body. It's a public way of saying, you know, I belong to these people, I want to be known as somebody who belongs to this group of believers. Paul says in Romans 6, Uh, verse 3, that's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. So baptism is that public way of saying together, we're proclaiming we die to something, we live to something, we die to an old way of life, and we're living to a new way of life. And if you're not being baptised, let me encourage you to think about that today, because... It is the way that we publicly say, you know, that I want to belong to Jesus, but also to his family, the church. So the first level is choosing to belong. That's the first level, choosing to belong. The second level is what we're calling friendship, learning to share. You see, where you were created in God's image, you were made for relationships. You know, life is not meant to be a solo act. <clears throat> and we all need friends, and the Bible says this. All the believers met together and constantly, met together constantly and shared everything with each other. Notice two things. One, you can't develop friendships without meeting together. You cannot develop friendships without meeting together. And two, you can't develop friendships without sharing together. Now the more frequently we meet together, the closer we're going to get to one another. Do you ever see some people, you know, and they've got really deep friendships and they've known each other for years and years and they, and they get together and they have great times and you think, wow, uh, I wish I had something like that. Uh, how lucky that is. Well, let me tell you something, it's not luck. Uh, it, developing deep friendships is something that we choose to do by keeping in contact with people, by uh, meeting together with people. We choose our friends and we choose who we keep in contact with. And sometimes we lose contact with people and, and we look back and we say, oh, what a shame, I've lost contact with that person. But it's because we haven't kept in touch, we haven't kept meeting up together. And it's a choice, we choose to do that or not to do that. So, it's the same in the family of God. You know, if we want to really share fellowship together, then we need to be able to share together. And we only do that when we get together and meet together. Some of us, of course, are very busy and it's difficult to make time. Uh, but I don't know about you, but I make time for the things that are important. We make priorities in life. We choose uh, how we're going to spend our week and some things have a higher priority than others. Well, let me tell you, deep friendships don't just happen. They choose. And one of the hopes is that by joining a small group uh, and sharing together in that smaller group, that friendships will grow. And uh, that's where we really share fellowship. Of course, as, as parents in the uh, congregation this morning will know, uh, again, one of the lessons children have to learn is how to share. I don't know about you, but when my two children were quite young, they weren't very good at sharing. They always wanted to play with the same toy or the... We wanted to watch different television programs and, you know, we sometimes ended up buying two of, of, of something so that we didn't have this battle about who was going to have it, which, uh, which wasn't a great idea because really, it wasn't really teaching them how to share. And, uh, you know, in the family of God, we need to learn to share with other believers. So what are we supposed to share? Well, the Bible is full of instructions on things that we have to share with each other. Let me just mention some. The Bible says that, uh, you know, we are to share our experiences 
We share our experiences. The Bible says that we uh, learn from one another just as iron sharpens iron. Have you heard the, the phrase, you know, it's wise to learn from experience? Let me tell you a little secret. It's even wiser to learn from somebody else's experiences. <laughs> you know, if someone else has been through a difficult experience, we ought to learn from it so that we don't have to go through that difficult experience before we learn the lesson. You know, we can learn from one another's experiences uh, when we share those experiences together. You know, and uh, in the small groups, that's the opportunity to share, you know, personal, painful experiences and, uh, and the lessons that we have learned from one another. And, uh, you know, um, nobody knows everything. You know, we're all ignorant about something, aren't we? You know, you know things that I don't know. And uh, I know things that you don't know. And the person next to you knows things that neither of us know. And, uh, you know, gathered here today, there's a whole wealth of experiences. And uh, we need to share them with one another. So that we can learn valuable lessons. And as I said, we're not really going to do that on a Sunday morning. Because, you know, we meet together for uh, an hour or so, worshipping together, and then we have coffee together. But we're not really going to share anything terribly deep, but we can do in the small groups. And that's why we want to emphasise, you know, that small group experience, because it's an opportunity uh, for us to share. Secondly, uh, you know, the Bible says that we are to, uh, to share our homes. Um, 1 Peter 4 9, open your homes to each other. Open your homes. It doesn't say, you know, if you've got a nice home, open it. It doesn't say if you've got a tidy home, open it. It just says, open your homes to one another. Because we can't share in a crowd. Um, did you know that the church, for the first two or three hundred years, uh, they didn't meet together in a meeting place, they met in homes. And you know that was the fastest growth of the church in church history, those first two, three hundred years. Uh, the church grew at a phenomenal rate. And they met in, in small groups together. And it just exploded <clears throat> because they were able to, to share together and to learn together and to grow together. And uh, you know that's why we are pushing the small groups. And let's be honest, you know, I don't know about you, but the first time I went to a Bible study I was pretty nervous. <clears throat> I was quite nervous because... The idea out there in the church is that everybody else knows more than me. And that if I go to a small group, uh, my lack of knowledge about the Bible is going to be shown up and I'm going to look silly. Well, I can guarantee you that won't happen. Um, because that's not what small groups are for. That's not, small groups are not to examine people on how much you know about the Bible. They're there to encourage you to study the Bible and to learn from one another. So we don't need to be frightened of that small group experience. And the Bible says, you know, we need to learn to share. And we learn to share in a small groups. So we share our experiences, uh, our homes. And we share our problems. You know, when you share a joy, it says it's doubled. And when you share a problem, it's cut in half. And, uh, you know, we share our problems with one another. Uh, we We can share the problems that we have. With our family, we can take our problems to each other, and we can pray about other. We're not going to we're not going to fix all the problems. That's not what we're here for. We can't fix everything, uh, but we can uh, travel with people as they share difficult times and difficult experiences. We can sympathise and empathise with people uh, just by sharing the experience with us. So we share our problems. 
Share each other's troubles and problems, Paul says in Galatians. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. The primary purpose of a small group is to encourage each other, to build each other up. And uh, Paul encourages us not to give up the habit of meeting together. And the hope, of course, of doing this 40 days of purpose is that as we get into small groups, some people for the first time, is that people think, hey, this is good. This is great because I'm learning more about God. I'm getting to know a small group of people. I'm able to share real fellowship. I can bring my problems. I can, I can have people pray to me in a small group. And we hope that once people have got a taste for that, that they'll want to continue to do that. And wouldn't it be great if, you know, the ten groups that are meeting continue to grow, to, to meet and to grow and to develop and we have to form more small groups. And so of course the goal is to get everybody into a small group so that they can be built up and encouraged. So that's the second uh, level is, is all about sharing. Uh, the third level is partnership. Doing my part. And partnership is realising, you know, that I've got a contribution to make. The family of God actually needs each member, as, as we're reading about and sharing with the kids. You know, there's all different parts uh, to a body. And, uh, and the body needs all those different parts for it to function and for it to work. And uh, God didn't bring you here to Lum Baptist Church just to sit and soak in a spiritual spa and to take in... God brought you here so that you could participate, so that you could be a real member of the family. In every family, you know, there are family responsibilities. Uh, I, ca- I get to take the rubbish out. That's one of my uh, responsibilities in our family. Uh, I don't always get it quite right. I don't always do it exactly how uh, my wife would like to do it all the time. I try to catch the bin men each week. And sometimes I even miss that. But, you know, uh, we have responsibilities. Uh, we have roles uh, that we try and fulfil to the best of our possibility. And it's just the same in the church. Uh, we have responsibilities because we're members of the family. And, uh, you know, what happens in, in, the, in, the, in the small family at home happens in the big family at church. It tends to be, you know, the odd person that does more than the others. And the idea, one of the ideas of it is 40 Days of Purpose, is that we each find our place and our part in the family and a role to play. Because you are a valued member of the church here. And the Bible is filled with the fact that we are to do things together. It says, you know, there are 58 times in the New Testament the Bible says... To do it with one another. We serve one another. We love one another. We pray with one another. The Bible even says that we have to put up with one another. And uh, some of you, that verse, you know, you put, put it on your fridge. Uh, remind yourself about it. That we have to put up uh, with one another. And the silly song sometimes our pastor makes us sing. That's how it is. Because that's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> so level three it's about doing my part uh, Paul says we are partners working together for God and there's something about working together that's good there's something about being part of something and, and, and you know when, when, you, when you're part of something and when you're involved in working in something you have a much greater ownership about it and you start to feel, have a sense of belonging, that this is my spiritual home, this is where I belong, because I'm a part of what's going on. Now, there'll be some people here this morning that don't really feel that they're a part of what's going on. And uh, we want to encourage you, um, you know, to be a part of what's happening here. 
To join a small group, to be uh, involved in a, in a ministry, to be part of the work of God. Because it's exciting and, uh, and it's good. We are partners uh, working together for God. It says that the whole body is fitted together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and is full of love. You see, if you're not playing your part in the life of the church, the rest of the body is out of zinc and is not really functioning as well as it could be. Just as when, you know, part of our body isn't working, you know, uh, I've got a dodgy knee. And, uh, you know, I can't do some of the things that I could do if I had a perfectly good knee. And uh, when my knee's not working properly, there's some things that I can't do. And it's the same in the, in the family of God. You know, if you're not playing your part, you know, the church is walking with a bit of a limp because there's something that's not being done because somebody else isn't playing their part. The whole body is fitted together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Mother Teresa, many of you will be familiar with her work uh, amongst the poorest of poor in Calcutta in India. And she was once asked, how do you handle all this death and disease on a daily basis? How do you do the tough things when it comes to serving? And her answer was, every person I bathe, every person I bandage, I imagine seeing the face of Jesus and I do it for him. And that's the attitude that's behind um, this purpose. Just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. So when we're serving people, if you can imagine that you're serving Jesus, it transforms uh, the way that we uh, serve one another. So I encourage you to make this a practical action step this week. If you want to experience a deeper level of fellowship, look for a practical need in your small group. Look for a practical need that you can meet and watch what it does to your relationship and your fellowship with one another. And then there's the, the deepest level of fellowship in the family of God in, in, in what we're going to call kinship. Now kinship is a, an old term uh, that we don't use uh, very much. And uh, kinship, uh, it really means, you know, your closest relationship. It means uh, your closest member of the family. You know, when someone has an accident, they say notify the next of kin, don't they? And they don't mean, you know, uh, Auntie Ethel. They mean the person that's closest to you. The person that means the most to you. And uh, the deepest level of, 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 of fellowship is kinship. Loving believers like family. Loving believers like family. Treating one another as if you were members of the same family. It says in Acts 2 about the, uh, the church, they were like family to each other. They were like family to each other. And God says, well, <clears throat> we're not just like a family, we are a family. We are a family. Be devoted to each other like a loving family. Now, the word for fellowship in the Bible literally means being as committed to each other as we are to Jesus Christ. And this is the deep, deepest level of fellowship. You see, many of you know uh, John 3.16, you know, God's soul of the world, that he sent his one and only son. Um, but sometimes we're not as familiar with 1 John 3.16, which says, We know what real love is because Christ gave up his life for us, and so we also ought to give up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. This is 
about the fellowship of suffering, which uh, the Bible talks about. But if, if we're honest, we don't know a lot about it in this country because uh, we're quite fortunate. And here in England, as Christians, we don't really suffer very much. But overseas, there are many Christians who are suffering week in and week out and being persecuted just because they are members of the family of God. So how do we get to this deepest level? Well, we do it by standing with other believers when they're going through a crisis. When everybody else walks out, we walk in. And we're there for them in tough times. Because this is what life is all about. Loving God, learning to love each other. If you miss this, you've missed the whole purpose of life. Because life is not about accomplishments, it's about relationships. You were put on earth to know God and to love him and to know his family and to love his family. You know, as a minister, uh, one of the sad things that I sometimes have to do is, is be at the bedside of people when they're dying. And I've been in many hospitals and uh, in homes when people are, are, are experiencing the last moments on earth. And you know, in all those situations, no one's ever said to me, you know, bring me my diplomas. No one's ever said to me, you know, bring me that watch that was presented to me for long service. No one's ever said to me, bring me my, my laptop. No, they say, bring me my family. Bring me my closest friends. In moments like that, when, when it really matters, what we want around us is our family and our friends. Loving God, that's called worship, and loving each other, that's called fellowship. The Bible says, your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You see, here at Lund Baptist Church, we don't want to be known uh, for our singing. We don't want to be known for uh, the length of the sermons. Um, we don't want to even be known for the, the good quality coffee that we serve after the service. We want to be known as a place where they say, those people really love and care for one another. That's a place uh, where people really love each other. Because... If that was the case, then you'd have to lock the doors to keep people out. Because so many people are, are looking to belong to a place where they can feel accepted and loved and cared for. We live in a society where there's so many lonely people who don't have a family around them. And here we are, the family of God. And we want to be known as a place where there is love for one another. Where we treat each other with respect and dignity and acceptance. So let me ask you uh, a couple of relevant questions. Which of these levels of fellowship are you at? Have you made the first one choosing to belong to a group of people? Have you made that step? Have you been baptised? Have you come into membership of the church? These are important things. Sometimes we play down the importance of baptism and membership. These are important steps to take to say that I identify with this group of people in this place and this is where I'm going to serve God. That's the first level. Uh, have, you, have you taken that second level of, uh, of, of sharing, of partnership, of, of actually sharing in a small group? Uh, have you found your niche in the church? Are you playing your part in the family of God with those family responsibilities? Or have you moved to that deeper level where you're absolutely devoted to the people of God, so much so <clears throat> that you treat people like family? You are the children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, Paul says. He reminds us that we are part 
of God's family. And that we are called to love and to care for each other. Let's pause and uh, let's bow our heads and let's pray together. You know, next to salvation, the greatest gift you've ever been given is the opportunity to be be part of God's family. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to go through life disconnected and isolated. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you have created Lum Baptist Church family for all of us to be part of. Lord, we want to be part of your family. We want to learn to love you and to love your family. Forgive us for taking it casually at times. Forgive us when we haven't really shown the love that you have shown. Help us to grow in the levels of fellowship. Help us today to say, I'm choosing to belong. I'm not going to float around anymore. I'm going to belong to this group of people. I want to learn to share and to make time to develop real friendships. I want to do my part in the family of God. I want to learn, other, learn to love other believers like brothers and sisters. Help us learn the lessons of fellowship. Help us to be part of a small group. And help us to love and to care for one another in the way that you love and care for the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.